Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you, as always, by Inside the Penguins. Com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat, and we are also joined today by Rob Rossi of The Athletic. Rob, how's it going today? Uh, it's trade deadline week, so uh, a lot of caffeine, not enough sleep. A lot of battery charging on my phone. <laughs> Every year, it seems like the constant grind, and this year, very interesting week leading up to it. Sometimes you get it where nothing happens till the day of. Sometimes you get a couple moves sprinkled in. It seems like every day there is just bombshell after bombshell that are being dropped this year. Does it seem like there's a little bit more activity this year than most? Well, I mean, it's certainly been spread out more. Um, and I'm surprised in the flat cap uh, era that we're in that you've seen so many teams be able to get creative with things. And I think the other thing that's really caught me off guard, although I, you know, personally tend to agree with it is that draft capital doesn't seem to be something that the good teams are concerned with. And, um, we kept hearing for months that, you know, this was such a deep draft and people didn't want to move their first round picks. And that's just not proven to be the case. Um, and you know, again, I, I, that's a philosophy I agree with. If you're, if you're a good team, if you're a team that has a shot at the playoffs. So, but it's, um, I wonder if it's a shifting philosophy. I wonder if people have looked at what Tampa Bay have done, done the last few years and just sort of thrown caution to the winds with picks and just said, you know what, that's the way to go. Go with a proven player as opposed to somebody that will help you, you know, no sooner than three years down the road, if that. Um, if you look at the hit rate on even first-round picks outside the top five, it's, it's not – you know, if you look at that from an analytics standpoint, um, as more and more teams get into analytics deeper, I do wonder if they value those picks as much as uh, old school GMs or um, the media does. Uh, it's sort of been a cottage industry, you know, prospects, picks, prospects, picks. They, uh, we, we might be seeing the beginning of an era where they're not as valuable as they've been. What do you think of Ron Hextall's take on the first round pick? I mean, he said <laughs> that he wasn't willing to move it out, but I mean, is it still possible that he can? I think it's he can. I mean, I, from what I've heard from people I've talked to with the team, he does not want to. Um, he doesn't even seem to want to move picks that are first rounders years from now. Um, he's very old school with the way he likes to build. There's not really been a success rate to justify that, holding on to that mantra. Um, uh, if you look at sort of the development or the evaluation and development, I should say, of uh, the prospects that he brought into the system in Philadelphia. I don't think it's fair to look at the ones in Pittsburgh right now. Um, you could discuss the pro level evaluation, but the amateur level, it's not enough time. But um, 
it's um it's not necessarily something that jibes with you know him saying when he got the job he sort of learned from mistakes uh and when you re-sign the uh malkin and latang and rust and you bring raquel back and you bring in Jeff Petrie and you sign Jan Ruda and you do all these things and you spend the salary cap. I don't know that it makes a lot of sense to be thinking about the future uh, based off the roster you've built. Um, now it does look as though in the past week dating the last Friday that he has, whether the decision was forced upon him by the team's play before this three game winning streak or just recognizing finally that he needed to do something to get into the race. It looks like he's been willing to part with people that were his guys. Mark Friedman was one of his guys. He re-signed Kasperi Kapanen. He signed Brock McGinn. So I give him credit for that. That's the toughest thing for a GM to do is sort of part with your guys, but might be too little too late. Um, and we'll have to see. I mean, he's positioning himself as I reported in the athletic to go for, you know, a move, if not moves, um, I guess you can quibble about the names we've reported that are out there, but, uh, so far it doesn't look like he wants to give up that pick. And one of the moves that we've heard about is that the goaltending market is slow. There's not many names out there. Last night we see Jonathan quick and Jonas Corposalo get exchanged between LA and Columbus. Do you think the Pittsburgh Penguins are still looking to upgrade maybe as a 1B behind Tristan Jari going into the latter stages of the season? Or do you think that there's so many other areas of need that goaltending is kind of on the back burner for Hextall and company? You know, I thought weeks ago I was an advocate for them looking at goal because we didn't know about Jari. And um, I thought just to Smith, they were overextending him. But my information is that they're not. Um, now, that doesn't mean that they are. They're not just keeping it really well uh, um, hidden, but that's sort of the other myth. They haven't been as good as keeping things locked down as they, they you know, Hextall reportedly likes to. So, but my information is that they're not. They're comfortable riding with this goaltending duo. Um, I kind of think that's a bed they made last year when they re-signed to Smith. Um, it's burned them the last two postseasons. Uh, we'll have to see if it it does or doesn't down the stretch here or this postseason. They still seem to me to be a an awkward movement from Jari away from being in a real bad place, and whatever they would do at the deadline might not matter if that's the case. But um, it sounds like they're pretty comfortable going with these guys. So it sounds to you that there's still a worry with Jari. Um, I, I didn't know based on what his injuries have been because it's been hush-hush. Has there been multiple injuries? Is it a hip injury? We don't know for sure. But do you believe there's still a worry moving forward that he might get injured once again this season? Well, I think so based off his track record and based off what you know, we what we've at The Athletic have heard, Josh, Joey, and I have heard is that it's two different injuries related to a hip condition. So if you've ever had a, a hip issue, it's easy to, or not easy, but it's more likely you'll experience things with groins, abdomens, um, maybe some oblique, you know, sort of anywhere in the, the mid body range. Now they've described them as lower body and upper body. Uh, I know one of them was a groin, the first one. I never heard pinpoint what the second one was, just that it was related to the hip. Um, he's looked okay. 
Uh, I think he's getting back into game shape, but uh, I think when you've had a goalie that's had two cases of injury with in a case of a month and a half or two months now, uh, I don't, I don't think you'd be doing your um, self justice if your evaluation was that he's okay. And that doesn't mean you might not be in a position where you just have to bite down and hope. What does what do these injuries do for uh, <clears throat> excuse me his uh, contract negotiations coming up this summer? Like, does that uh, have any kind of impact, or are the Penguin Penguins pretty confident in his future? Well, I mean, I guess I'd like to know for sure who's going to be making that decision in management uh, before <laughs> I gauge yeah. into that. I, I know going into this season that uh, you know Hextall uh, and and Burke, uh, you know, assuming he's involved in any decisions, I you know really can't get anybody to tell me what he does. But um, uh, I know that Hextall was looking and even talking to them about an extension and even Jari's camp was confident that an in-season extension would happen. And that's not something they've usually done under Hextall. They did do it with Jeff Carter, but it's not been something they've done. And I don't know that given the relationship between Hextall and Carter, that that's not sort of the, um, the exception to the rule. But uh, it's also my understanding that they haven't re- re-engaged um Mm. i thought it was a little bit uh dirty pull that it got out that he was dealing with hip stuff uh because that's not great for his market value but Mm. my guess and this is just a guess is that um whoever's running the penguins will look to do maybe a shorter term deal with jari to see if he can stay healthy it might have to cost them a little more cap space to do it than they would if they were able to do a longer term deal but, um, you know, goalies are so tricky, guys. It's, uh, you know, there's, there's maybe five really worth paying, maybe, maybe. Uh, and, um, you know, three of, them are the, three of them are the Russian three, right? And uh, yeah. um, I just, I, I also wonder if we're going to see, you know, sort of teams, especially if the cap isn't going to rise, uh, too much, uh, not willing to bet long-term on goaltenders because there doesn't seem to be a big difference between like number six and number 25 through 30. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's really, I think at that position anymore, you're paying for availability as much as productivity. Mm-hmm. We talked about it, I believe about it was a month ago about the goaltenders and how there's three goaltenders who make over 10 million. Two of them aren't really worth it. And Bobrovsky and Carey Price at this moment in time. And then it's kind of the same way as you go through the price ranks where, yeah, there might be one or two that are really worth that price, but the rest of them, you're taking a gamble and it doesn't always pay off. I believe Marc-Andre Fleury in in Minnesota is about the same thing as Gustafson has taken over for him there. But I'd be remiss if we had you on the show and I didn't ask about Evgeny Malkin because he's having a fantastic season, especially after a summer where there were doubters that were saying, Maybe, you know, Vinny Trocek would be a better option. He's getting old. He's not always available throughout the season. 62 points in 60 games this year, on pace for 30 goals for the sixth time in his career. Do you feel like Gino saw that last summer and wanted to send a message that, yes, I still have a lot to give, and yes, I am still going to be one of the best centers in the NHL. Yeah. I, I mean, I talking to him, absolutely. You know, he was, he was very hurt by the way the Penguins handled negotiations, leaving him the last, um, um, you know, he wasn't a fan of the way uh, Brian Burke said some things publicly. He wasn't a fan of the way Hextall uh, handled negotiations behind the scenes with his agent. When he, uh, 
when he decided to go to uh, free agency the night before he signed, um, it, it was a decision that he was comfortable making because he was so wounded by everything. And um, my understanding is the Penguins kind of had to bring that back on the rails there. Um, I think he feels a loyalty to the organization, if not the people running it. Um, and I also feel like, you know, talking to him, he really feels like he owes it to Sidney Crosby, who went out of his way to, you know, push for, for both Malkin and Latang to be retained. I mean, um, uh, I don't believe this management was brought in by previous ownership to keep those guys. Um, I do think it changed when the new ownership took over, but, um, yeah, Malkin had something to prove this year. And I think, you know, as a guy who knows Evgeny and, 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 you know, to a lesser extent, but, but not insignificantly, I've covered their whole careers, no Sydney and Chris, uh, I feel like they were primed this year f to do everything in their power to make a run. They felt like, you know, they were back that, you know, they know they're on the other side of the ticking clock now and that this was maybe their best shot. And I get a sense that there's real frustration from them that management hasn't done more. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, if that's true, and again, that's my sense. But if that's true, I, it would it would be hard to blame them. Uh, knowing what these teams' deficiencies have been and waiting until literally the final week before the trade deadline to even begin addressing them is uh, would be disappointing if I were those three. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's exactly where I wanted to bounce off of is what have your thoughts been of Hextall so far in his tenure? And um, does he have to like – work his way back into the good graces of this fan base because I mean not that I can remember I've never seen chance like that happen at a Penguins home game it seemed like the worst loss in the Crosby era and does he have to work his way back in and what have your thoughts been on him? you know to be fair to Ron I think he was always battling that he was a former flyer with the fan base so I, I think he had less room for error um you know you're asking me my opinion I wrote in the athletic last week that Fenway Sports Group shouldn't make let him make another decision um, so, I mean, it kind of tells you what I think of the performance he's had. Uh, um, but I stand by it. Um, even if he pulls off something here, I'll give him credit if he does. But I also wonder if it's too little too late. I mean, there was a time where you could have probably looked to deal Brock McGinn when he was on that heater in November and he didn't, wasn't interested in doing it. There was a time, you know, they've been trying to trade Kasperi Kapanen and he just wouldn't do it as far as I've heard partly because he didn't want to trade him to an Eastern Conference team. Uh, I mean, it's just such an old school methodology. Um, uh, his tenure to me has lacked the creativity and innovation that a GM in Pittsburgh needs. I don't think it needs to be throw everything against the wall like Jim Rutherford did. I mean, clearly there was a point of diminishing returns as, as, towards Rutherford's end. Um, but... He's only made five trades and um, two in season. And um, any way you cut it, he had to send a guy that he re-signed down last week. And had that guy not been claimed, he would have had to make another move just to get one of his signees back onto the roster. Um, he has struggled to do the basic thing, which is get his roster on the ice. We don't know what Ty Smith is as a player because of Hextall's 
spending so close to the cap. Um, we don't know if Nylander could have helped this team, one of their you know better performing prospects in the AHL, if because they haven't been able to get guys up against the cap. I mean, on cap management this season alone, they have looked amateurish. Um, and in terms of, um, and none of this is personal. It's just mm-hmm. looking at it from an objective view. And if you look at the professional player level evaluation that they've made, um, somehow thinking that the best use of assets was to bring in Petrie and Ruda. Like they had signed Ruda and then they traded for Petrie. Like, did you need both of them um, to count so much against your cap and giving up assets? Uh, And that's just one example. Um, Mm -hmm. The Carter extension is an albatross around this team. Uh, It's very well liked by his teammates. Uh, he obviously has a personal relationship with Hextall, but you know when you're in a tight cap, that was just a move that you couldn't afford to fail at. And you know he didn't give himself a lot of room to make mistakes, and he's made quite a few. Um, that doesn't mean he hasn't done some good things. You know the Ricard Raquel acquisition and signing was great. Um, I could quibble about the decision to retain Brian Russ, but they clearly valued that player. But this is also an ownership, or excuse me, this is also a management team that has talked about wanting to make this team tougher to play against for two years. And I struggle to find how they've done that. And I don't mean getting guys that can fight. I just mean getting guys that are difficult to play against. Joss Archibald might be pound for pound his best acquisition. Um, and I'll let you know people decide where they feel about that. I think part of it too is when you look at his planning, I'm not one. I've never seen his plans. I haven't looked in his notebook. Well, there was a time FSG hadn't either. So it's <laughs> very true. Uh, but if you look at his first off season, a lot of one year deals, basically let's build for this year, see what we can do. And then the only player that got a multi-year contract was Brock McGinn. And then you look at his second off season and he's handing out multi-year contracts like it's nobody's business, like Jan Ruda. Obviously, you understand the Latang and Malkin extensions, but going for both Rust and Raquel, which both of them have been good, but you start to struggle to see the forest through the trees and saying, okay, why did we get so worried about giving out term the year prior, and now all of a sudden term is what is what we're dealing with. Part of that might be the salary cap, but to me, it seems like a, a coach and a, a general manager that are not on the same wavelength and also a plan in which now you see it in the last week before the trade deadline where he's hoping for help with other teams picking up on waivers. It just seems like there's a lack of a plan from Hextall in my eyes. I've been trying to piece together what the plan is based off just what they've done for a year and a half, mm. and I can't find it. Um, and... I get the sense there's real frustration from people in the organization by the lack of um, cohesion. And, you know, I reported that uh, Mike Sullivan has been pushing for Jacob Chikrin, which is true, and that Ron Hextall has been hesitant, uh, partly because of the picks. It's also, you know, partly because Hextall doesn't really like the player as much as his coach. Um, There seems to be that they're, like you said, they're not on the same wavelength. And um, I have found Sullivan's answers over the past week when he's repeatedly said, you know, that's a Sullivan, 
question or Sully, mm -hmm. Sully thinks we need, you know, maneuverability in that. Um, I tend not to want to read too much into that, but it's, it's mm -hmm. difficult not to. Yeah. And <clears throat> with the trade deadline just days away, and you just mentioned Jacob Chikrin and the Penguins possible involvement there, what else have you been hearing from, you know, the Penguins involvement with the Coyotes or the Canucks, which has also been a big one in the last couple of days. Um, and is there anyone else, you know, teams or players that have been on the Penguins' radar? Well, all I can go on is what I've been able to confirm and report in the Athletics. So if people haven't read that, uh, reported yesterday that they re-engaged about Chikrin, um, and it might be a multiplayer deal uh, that they're discussing, or it's it's a multiplayer deal that they've re-engaged with, with possibly an unnamed forward. I couldn't get the name of the forward coming back. Um, Vancouver reached out to them about JT Miller and, uh, it was my understanding at the time Hextall wasn't really keen on that. Uh, but he also didn't outright say no. And I know those discussions have continued. Um, uh, there was a report out there about Brock Bozer. Um, I might be saying his name wrong. Is it Bozer, Besser, uh, uh, either way, I've been told by a source with the Canucks and the Penguins that they don't think he's headed to Pittsburgh. So that's um, it. it. You know, the Chikrin market is so interesting because now there seems to be teams in it like Washington um, that could maybe add some assets uh, to to sweeten the pot that I don't think Hextall wants to get into that game. Um, you know, to me, Chikrin is such an intriguing piece because you could get him at a pretty agreeable cap hit for the next two seasons other than this. And he would immediately slot in as your number one pairing partner with Chris Letang. And if you look at every team that has legitimate aspirations of winning in this league right now, they have a bona fide top pairing and the Penguins had that for years with Letang and Dumoulin, but Dumoulin's just not that anymore. I, I think Dumoulin's played a lot better the past month and a half maybe than he has all season, but he's not that guy anymore. Um, I think when you invest in Latang, it doesn't make sense not to get him, uh, uh, you know, a, a partner worthy of that investment. Um, but again, you know, it might come down to whether Hextall is willing to part with draft picks. You know, the other thing is he doesn't really have that much capital to offer beside draft picks. I mean, yeah. The system isn't plentiful with people that they want. I don't blame that on him. I mean, that's from the previous regime. Um, and I don't think there's a lot of players on this team that he would want to give up right now. Um, you know, there's speculation out there about like they could include Jason Zucker in a deal. Like, why would you do that? That would just make your team weaker. Um, I understand he's an unrestricted free agent, but I mean, it's hard to see how they're a better team by moving him right now. Uh, Maybe you could move Dumoulin back as part of a package. Uh, but, I mean, I, I think there's a team out there that would take Dumoulin uh, because I think there's always a cup team that would like to add a depth defenseman with, you know, experience. But, I mean, I don't think they, you know, there was a report out there last week that was just completely false about them having Jeff Petrie on the um, block. They don't. They like him. Uh, um, there, You know, there's a lot of reports this time of year that are, you know, mm -hmm. You know, people are hearing things. I don't want to, you know, dismiss other people's reporting because I, mm -hmm. you know, I don't think they're making things up. I think they hear things. But, you know, I've been pretty, I've been pretty careful to go with just team sources uh, mm -hmm. because uh, you do hear a lot of stuff from the outside that's kind of like, ah, uh, you know.
Yeah. Well, he's Rob Rossi of The Athletic. I would ask you what's going to be up at The Athletic, but considering the week, I know that's a loaded question. There's going to be no plenty idea. of things. You could ask me. There's I have no be, idea. Like, there's plenty of things that are going to be up, and it's based on what's going to happen in two hours yeah. versus 20 hours. Right. Yeah. So uh, I mean, definitely. Everything I write could be out of date within minutes. That's the uh, fun time of this year. So the only thing I know today is sometime I got to find 20 minutes to go get a new filter for my furnace. So that's, you know, <laughs> I'm acquiring a filter today, no matter what it costs in assets. <laughs> love it gotta love it make sure you check him out on twitter at real underscore rob rossi and of course all of his writing in the athletic rob thank you so much for joining the show anytime guys thanks for having me